0: Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice. Welcome to the podcast of the Practice Manager webinar recorded on Wednesday the 7th of July. So welcome everybody to our Practice Manager webinar. Um, I'm Louise Greenwood, Director of Education and Training, and I'm joined today by Lisa Harding, um, Director of Primary Care, Dawn Childcraft Assistant, Director of Primary Care, and Helena Irvin, our Practice Nurse Advisor. Just to let you know that actually from September, we'll try and vary the day a little bit. We've had some feedback from you that Wednesdays is great for some of you, but not all of you can make a Wednesday. So we will vary the day a little bit from September and put in the odd Tuesday and Thursday, which might make life easier for those of you who've got commitments with CCG meetings and that sort of thing um, on Wednesdays. Um, And we're going to hand over now to Lisa, who's going to talk a little bit more about vaccines and overseas and the COVID programme.
1: Thanks, Louise. So just um, a bit of an update. Um, As we know, there's currently no way of recording vaccines received abroad, either the first or both uh, vaccinations. So the COVID digital team are looking at working on a a solution and we'll share that as soon as we hear a little bit more. Um, We're not yet sure whether recording a vaccine given abroad will entitle a patient to a vaccine certificate. So again, we're, we're waiting for a bit more guidance, which we will share with you as soon as we hear it. Um, just a couple of bits to mention. There is PHE guidance on how the NHS will manage vaccines that have been given a- outside the UK. Um, we think that people will need to provide evidence that they are that the vaccinations have been approved by the MHRA. If not approved, vaccinations will need to be repeated Um, because this is an emerging area. And we think that people are going to get lots of queries around this. What we're suggesting is perhaps we do a podcast for you when we know a little bit more information. We'll try and do that as soon as possible because with the relaxing of the um, regulations we're anticipating that you're going to get lots of queries and lots of demand so we will get that organized as soon as possible so I know Louise you're working on that as we speak aren't you? Um, we wanted to suggest that practices might want to add to their website the gov.uk um, link because that gives them information on how to check the requirements if they're traveling abroad as particularly their different countries have different requirements so it's a quite a useful resource for patients to be aware of and to signpost them to um, and nhs futures have guidance on how pinnacle support you with potential data quality issues such as duplicate doses second dose with no first dose recorded um, batch number inconsistencies etc so that was just a quick update on cvp Thanks,
0: Louise. Thanks, Lisa. That's great. Um, Dawn, I think we're going to go
2: over to you now. Thanks, Louise. Uh, Hello, everybody. Um, Yes, the COVID vaccination programme, just to make you aware, um, the Green Book Chapter 14A, that's just been updated again in July. Um, There's a few updates in there. Uh, One to clarify around the schedules um, that are emerging Delta variant, um, advice on cautions and contraindications, and also co-administration advice. Um, and there's also more um, evidence um, on vaccine effectiveness and mixing schedules. So there's a few little updates in Chapter 14A of the Green Book. Moving on from there, uh, and I'm sure you've all heard, the JCVI have now um, issued some interim advice around a COVID booster program and what that might look like. At the moment, they're suggesting that's a two-stage approach. Um, Those adults over 16 who are immunosuppressed, those living in residential care for older adults, those over 70, uh, those over 16 who are considered clinically extremely vulnerable and frontline health and social care workers, stage one. With stage two following on from there, everybody over 50, um, those adults 16 to 49 who are in the usual flu or COVID at-risk groups and adult household contacts of the immunosuppressed. Um, However, The JCBI also go on then to say, our final advice on booster vaccination may change substantially. I'm not sure that's so helpful, but that's what we've got to work with at the moment. Um, Following on from there, and I'm sure you've all seen NHS England then published a letter. Um, with some detail about core planning scenarios around the COVID booster programme, which they very precisely ask for between the 6th of September and the 17th of December, and that it will be co-administered alongside the national seasonal flu programme. One of the paragraphs in the letter Um, does suggest that community pharmacy, vaccination centres and general practice um, will all help to deliver um, the COVID booster programme, but that actually uh, there'll be a minimum of 40% with a maximum of 75% issued or or delivered, sorry, through general practice. This kind of sounds like a cap on what general practice um, could deliver Um, And the BMA have actually issued a statement on this. They are seriously concerned that this could be interpreted as a cap. Um, And they've made that very well known with NHS England. Um, And they are saying that, you know, practices will already be looking and planning for their winter programme. And they really would like to ask NHS England to make sure that there are sufficient sufficient COVID vaccination um, available um, for practices to deliver the programme alongside flu and that that there shouldn't be a barrier um, to them being able to deliver this. Um, Now, Louise has very kindly also said, of course, we will be doing some lunch and learn and training um, as appropriate when we do know more about the COVID programme and the influenza programme alongside each other. We also realise that there will be a lot of questions around delivery Um, And in particular, as we know at the moment, there's a national protocol for the COVID vaccination programme. The flu programme is delivered um, under a PGD or PSD. Um, And if they're going to be actually administered alongside each other, um, that's something that we have asked uh, to be looked at at a national level because it could obviously cause some confusions. And as soon as we know more, we will let you know.
0: Thanks, Dawn. I can just get the feeling that, Every we have a webinar now there's going to be quite a lot about flu and it's going to get more and more isn't it so as soon as we know we do know there's lots and lots of sources of information for you but as soon as as soon as we know something we'll share it with you and we will make a sort of synopsis and give it to you in as accessible a way as we possibly can um, and as Dawn said that as we've done in previous years we'll do a little lunch and learn so you can share that with your team also which is another way of you just um, sharing information and communicating which hopefully will be helpful thanks Dawn I think Lisa we're going to go over to a little. bit. We'll COVID regulations now and a little bit more about the pandemic thank you
1: yes and this is just a brief one I think probably people will be aware but it's just a reminder that the pandemic regulations have been extended again to the 30th of September 2021 I'm sure you're familiar with those just but that's just a reminder that that continues the suspension of the friends and family test continues the suspension of the requirement for individual consent for ERD and there is a continu- continuation of the amendment to the NHS 111 booking, um, which is one per 3,000, but you can increase to one per f- one per 500 if demand requires, but you don't have to. So that was just a quick reminder.
0: Lovely. Thank you, Lisa. I think Helene, we're going to come to you. We had a brilliant session from you a few weeks ago on CQC, and I think some of this is following up from that, isn't it? Thanks.
3: Yes, thank you, Louise. Um, I just, I'm just, i sure most of you are aware, if not all of you, that... In fact, on June the 14th, um, the CQC issued some more information on how they're going to monitor and take further assessments in 2000 um, and 2021. Um, The approach is built on what they've learned from the transitional and um, emergency framework. And they're going to continue to monitor in three particular areas. One is around risk, monitoring of risk, um, trying to bring information together and gathering information in a different format or a different way. Um, and looking to the future, really, testing elements of how how this will change. There are some key changes for practices, um, but I want to reassure everybody on the call you will not be asked to submit monthly data to the CQC. What will happen is, and the key changes for you as as managers particularly, is that the CQC will undertake monthly monitoring of practices data and they will create a risk banding. Um, And it's the inspectors who will be... um, undertaking these monthly checks of practices within their own portfolios um, ensuring the risk bandings are accurate Uh, the information they will be looking at will be um, if there's any ratings or breaches um, including um, any history in the past the time since the last inspection um, if there's been for example a new registered manager, uh, information that they may have received including patients experiences, they're really really hot on this Um, and it's one of their major um, components in their new strategy Um, Any whistleblowing or safeguarding alerts and information received from stakeholders such as CCGs, LMC's, um, and Healthwatch. Um, Also, any published data. So, again, calling on COF, patient experience, disease management, um, prescribing issues, um, and obviously how patients access services. If there is no indication that there is a need to reassess the ratings, i.e. no potential risks being identified, The CQC are publishing a statement on the practices profile page on their website, which, as we know, is open to the public um, to say there are no concerns. The practice ratings will not change as part of this process. As practices, you will be contacted by email um, prior to this information going live on the web page. In cases where the information review indicates that the CQC may need to reassess a rating or quality of care if there are any safety issues, they may want to gather more evidence and they're likely to be in contact. For practices where the CQC believes they may be at an increased risk of poor quality of care, they may undertake an immediate um, on-site inspection and this could happen um, at any time. the inspectors will be reviewing and gathering the information using a software app, or they've referred to it as an algorithm. We have contacted um, the uh, inspectors, chief inspectors, and we've yet to have a response from them on what this algorithm will look like. But just to reassure you, you will not have to submit um, monthly information to the CQC. Um, as a result of all this, what we've done is we've um, updated our website on the CQC. We've, As you probably know, we've Some time ago, we developed a pre-CQC inspection supportive information pack, and we just updated that. Um, And in that, I've included some of the information we discussed on the previous webinar. So there's a lot of information around medicines management, what searches that the CQC will be looking at. um, And you as a practice may want to just ensure that you're sort of up to date on that. Um infection control, staffing and typical questions that your staff are likely to be asked uh, during an inspection. As ever, if you have any questions or we can be of any help um, as a team, then please email us and uh, we will get back to you. Thank you, Louise. That's
0: really helpful. Thanks, Helene. Um, we know it's just daunting, CQC just hovering around all the time. Um, but it's very reassuring to have you on our team um, t- telling us that sort of information. Um, and I think that you know, it feels like if if people do want us to dial in, is are, are we able to, Helene, if, if an um, inspection is coming up? Is this sort of? Could it be sort of dial into a team call and sort of for sort of half an hour with all the team? Or would you be happy to sort of do that sort of thing? Yeah, very,
3: very happy to do that. Obviously, we can't be present on the day. But no. If you have any anything like that, I'm more than happy for you to dial in and um, we can have a chat. So because
0: it might be the prepa- preparation of the team could be really helpful, couldn't it? So um, thank you. And thank you for updating the website. That's fantastic. OK, I think we're going to go to Dawn now who's going to talk about lateral flow.
2: Thanks again, Louise. Yes, it's just to mention that lateral flow tests, um, the NHS is now moving to an individual pool model. So um, whereas previously as practices, you would have been ordering the lateral flow tests from PCSE, your PCSE portal, um, you won't be able to do that anymore. Um, it was starting from this week. Staff will now be able to go online and order the tests um, themselves and they'll be delivered to their home. Um, NHSC have updated the lateral flow SOP and also their FAQs around that Um, and if you need any of that we can put that in our um, FAQs Um, so you've got the links for that. Um, The Public Health England, the vaccine uh, update that they put out each month, um, it usually has an awful lot in it and I'm sure you'll um, practice nurses will have copy of all of that. Uh, there was just two or three little things perhaps to mention um, or worthy of a mention. Again, the Green Book, uh, Chapter 2 on immunisation has been updated, um, so probably worth a, a look or particularly for your nurses to have a look at that. Uh, rotavirus and men ACWY, the PGDs have just been renewed for both of those, one just to check on in your practice And also Boosterix. Um, Boosterix, as as we know, is supplied centrally for both the preschool booster and also the maternal programmes. Um, This is a recent change from Repovax, um, And Public Health England say these two vaccines are equivalent. So please minimise wastage. Please do use up your stocks of Repovax first before you start using your new stock of Boosterix. Uh, moving on from there, um, we've got two new enhanced services, which um, I'm sure you've obviously all heard and know about. Uh, one for long COVID and the other for weight management. Um, we have put summaries for both of these on our webpage, our contract web page. Um, and you might want to have a look at the summaries. We've included in the summary an LMC view or comment on both of these. Um, And in actual fact, I believe Louise is going to be offering some training. Is that right, Louise?
0: Yes, there are two webinars, one on the 13th and one on the 18th of August um just free webinars that your clinicians might want to dial into in fact you might want to dial into also and the idea is they're only an hour long and they're going to help the clinicians meet the requirements of the new desk. so that's for long COVID so I thought that might be useful so that's 12th and the 18th of August all the information is on our um, events page on the website and also there's there's going to be lots of information I'm sure about the wait um the weight enhanced service, the digital weight management program is a great practice toolkit on there, all sorts of information. Um, I think the difficulty that we I think we all recognise is having the initial conversation with the patient um, to suggest they go on the referral management process or whatever we're gonna do um, to help them with their weight. So um, we're going to look, up, look at putting on some sort of have, how to manage that difficult conversation um, for all the clinicians involved. Some will find it easier than others. And, and I do know, I remember one of the partners I used to work with just said it was the, the hardest thing he ever did was uh, talk to um, patients about their weight. So I think we will just have uh, try and get some training to en- enable those conversations to be a little bit easier um, for your staff. And if there's anything else you need as far as training goes for those two particular items, do let us know. Thanks for that, Dawn. That's great. Um, And I think we're going to go now to um, Helene and Lisa, um, and they're going to talk about restore and opening
3: up after the pandemic. Right at the very start at the beginning, as an organisation, we thought it would be really helpful for practices to look at what activities could safely be done in practice and those that perhaps could be provided in a different way. Um, And as a result of now opening up, if you like, services, we've updated our restore document um, which you may find helpful um, now that obviously patients are wanting to access practices and um, to come through the door, so to speak. I know you've always had your doors open, um, but also um, how to maybe potentially limit some of your face-to-face consultations to how like, these can be undertaken differently. So please have a, please have a look at that, that page. Uh, Lisa, the important thing is, and I'm sure Lisa will expand on this, is that if you do decide to go back to normal services, it's very important that you um, undertake um, a risk assessment um, because it is your responsibility um, as employers to look after your staff, but obviously have responsibility
1: as well in providing care for patients. Uh, Lisa, um, over over to you. Thanks, Helene. I, I just wanted to, probably from a more sort of contractual stroke regulatory perspective, I just wanted to Add a couple of thoughts, comments. We're beginning to get queries in for practices around this. So um, we had a chat this morning about this and the anticipation that you're gonna get um, a lot of patients um, coming in and putting pressure on the teams. So I think there are some key points here. Um, We are still working under emergency regulations. So although things are easing, the pandemic hasn't gone away. Um, You still have a duty of care to your staff and to your other patients. We know that the SOP is likely to be revised and updated, although they do say that uh, they want to move away from the SOP um, relatively soon. Um, That SOP is, of course, guidance. It's not regulation um the regulation set out that it is down to the contractor to determine the manner in which they deliver services so you do have discretion and that obviously needs to be reasonable as an individual practice so bring that back to helene's point about risk assessment as and as we've talked about before on on the webinars you know it may depend on what you can do as an individual practice dependent on your premises, on the team available, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so there's not one standard that fits all. Um, we think that face masks in health settings may remain a requirement. And so we're always very happy to discuss individual ind- issues with practices but I think there are some key principles there that we just wanted to share with you that we think remain Um, and we do appreciate that you're going to be under a lot of pressure so we'll try and get that out perhaps in another newsletter and and keep an eye on things as they develop. I guess the other thing is just us thinking about as a team how we can support you with some of those messages and whether that's us as the LMC or whether we need to work with other agencies such as the CCGs to support you so we are doing a piece of work around that that um, Dawn and Louise in particular are involved in.
0: Um, thank you, that's been really helpful. Just things like the risk assessment, do we have something in the restore document as sort of a template people can follow? Helene, can you say a bit more about that? Because that's the sort of thing that can, that can be a massive piece of work or actually it can be very straightforward.
3: There is a, a risk assessment, um, particularly around the staff that you can access um, and there's there is some sections. We sort of divide it up into... As, um, as Lisa said, some of the contractual things, but also how you can engage patients and empower patients as well. So it goes through the whole thing and often goes through things like spirometry you know, and specific clinical areas. So all that information should be on the website and that document. If it's not, then get back to us and we can send a further link. Fantastic. That's been
0: really helpful. Thank you. Um, so we'll make sure we put that link out um, with the um, when we publish this. Um, that would be helpful. So just a couple of things to finish off with. We've got a paediatric webinar on the 13th of July. I just wanted to highlight you to and for your clinicians. So practice nurses, um, any advanced practitioners, GPs, We're focusing on the hot child, on rashes, on asthma, um, and what we've learned through COVID. So it's going to be, we've all heard the sort of grim stuff about heading for the winter, and we've all heard about respiratory and children and and anxieties. So please uh, just do encourage your um, clinicians to dial into some of that if they can. If they can't, um, so as I say, it's on the 13th of July, then we will be recording each section, and you can just, we'll just put a small fee on that, and you can just buy that afterwards if that would be more more preferable and suits you. We do know it's overwhelming out there and time is very, very precious, but I would just highlight that, that could be really useful. Healthier Together and consultants, paediatric consultants are running that for us and it'll be very practical because we've got the LMC stranglehold on it and we're making sure, a GP will make sure it's absolutely focused for primary care. Um, So that would just draw your attention to that. Um, And finally, it's a little bit of good news that we found out. So practitioner health that you may have heard of and you may have heard um, GPs or some of your GPs may have referred themselves to this. This is sort of mental health service it was for general practice general practitioners and now it's for general practice it is for primary care so it's a, they say it's um primary care led mental health treatment service it's called practitioner health and now practice managers are eligible to apply for this if this would be appropriate to you so i think this, could, this is a fantastic thing obviously we've been and pushing out and signposting all the resources that have been available. So we've been particularly su- suggesting coaching through looking after you and through looking after your team as well through the um, coaching programme for the team. But this is now one step further and this is for real mental health support for any practice managers who need it. So again, we'll put the link out is the practitioner health program. If you look at their website, you'll think, mm, it still looks like it's all just about GPs. I've rung them this morning and they've absolutely categorically said to me, it is open for anybody working in primary care. What everybody needs to do is fill out a form saying exactly what their situation is, then the medical directors at Practitioner Health will say whether you're eligible for the programme or not, but it's not based on your job role. So we just thought we would share that as something that might be useful for you. So I'm just going to look for um, the questions now on my other screen. So, um, okay, someone's just got to go for a meeting. That's absolutely fine. But hopefully we will, as I say from September, we will vary these days up a little bit. So we'll still... Every other one will be a Wednesday, but then we'll put some Tuesdays and Thursdays in as well, which hopefully will help you. Um and Jenny docks just commented that it's massive that um and, uh, for practice managers and acknowledgement that they're important too, that you are absolutely important. So practitioner health acknowledging that and opening up their services to practice managers is brilliant and it's big. So I do hope for those of you who to whom that's appropriate, that is going to be a real help for you. We will see you again on the 21st of July. We've got PCSE coming back for that. So that'll be interesting. We know you've got lots of experience of PCSE and how um, how that is, you're finding that to work with. So please send in questions if you can't come to the session yourself. And um, we'll have Robert Ransom again, who was actually really very, very helpful last time. He was very practical and, and he is trying to change things as we go. As you know, we're accumulating information all the time, picking up your queries, and Dawn and Lisa in particular are sending those forward to PCSE. And I think you are finding you're getting some answers, aren't you? Um, but there's obviously a little way to go. So please join us on the 21st of July. And uh, as I say, if you can't join us live to ask Robert the questions that are really burning for you, please ask. Um, send them to me in advance and we can certainly put them to Robert on the day. So thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for Lisa and Helene and Dawn, and we will see you again very soon. Thank you. Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice.